I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Now, Scotland the Brave, as performed by the Gordon Highlanders from their album, The Bagpipes and Drums of Scotland. Welcome to Nine Cents, a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Adam Campbell. It's great to have you. It's June 12th, and I have a great show for you this week. This week was actually um, a little bit hectic for us. First of all, last week's episode, uh, when I was broadcasting live via Ustream, I ran into a couple issues. And this is sort of a recurring problem that I've been facing. Ustream will drop my connection with the show, so I have to uh, not only be paying attention to the news stories, the recording fees, the the chat feed, and the video feed, but I'm also trying to figure out why the fuck and how long I've been disconnected um, from the video feed when it does crash, and, you know, quite honestly, it's just become more of a hassle than it's worth for me. I'm not entirely sure, you know, I think maybe I have like 10 live viewers at a time maximum, so, I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal um, canceling the live broadcast of this episode entirely uh, every week. Not to mention, now that I'm a member of the Radio Free Satan Network, uh, you know, I have to submit the podcast um, in a timely manner to, to the network. So, it, it becomes a little bit more of a liability than it's worth doing the live show. 
So for the foreseeable future, I'm going to be canceling that. And we're just going to be uh, going straight from recording the podcast uh, on Sundays, and I'm going to try to get it uploaded by Sunday night, but most likely I'll still have the same schedule of Monday, uh, depending on uh, guests and such. Uh, so just to let you guys know, the Ustream live broadcast is canceled, um, and uh, I'm still going to maintain the same uh, uh podcast release via iTunes and Radio Free Satan. And I am pretty much consolidating the ways that you can access Nine Cents that way as well. Um, I've removed the streaming capacity on my web server um, in uh, my effort to help funnel people (laughs) who want to listen to this show directly to Radio Free Satan. Uh, I am going to leave the the Facebook updating uh, as it is, so, you know, if you want to listen to it on Facebook, that's fine, Um, but then you're only going to get me, and you're going to miss out on some other really fantastic shows. Also this week were the Highland Games, the Scottish Highland Games in Utah, and uh, fucking A, man, I love the fucking Highland Games. It's just like... Uh, the the sports that are represented there, the fucking music, the bagpipes, like I opened uh, the episode with this week, Scotland the Brave, I absolutely love bagpipes. And I know a lot of you out there actually probably can't stand them or or just flat out hate them uh, with your core. You know, it's one of those things you either love it or you hate it. And if you don't like it, well, you know what, that's two minutes of your life that you're never going to get back. (laughs) I'm not really sorry because it's great fucking music. Uh... Outside of that, I did go and I saw a couple friends. I avoided um, bugging them because my kids were sort of being a bit of a hassle. Um, But watching the band competitions, watching uh, the Wicked Tinkers perform live, um, the Irish Step Dance or River Dancing competition... Uh, it, it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun for the time that I was there. And I wasn't there as much as I wanted to be. I had um, a meeting I had to attend later that evening, so I didn't get to see the closing ceremonies, which is always my favorite um, for whatever reason. But uh, anyway, it was a really great week. Uh, there are a couple more Scottish festivals in Utah before the season uh, ends, so I'm looking forward to those. And you know what? You cannot beat uh, kicking it on a hot summer day, uh, regimental in your kilt. I just fucking, I think I inadvertently flashed a couple of people <laughs> sitting down and standing back up. But I think that's probably expected when you go to a Scottish festival. At some point, you're probably going to see a pair of sweaty balls. So I don't feel, I don't feel so bad about it. Um, but for those of you who did uh, catch a glimpse of my uh, sweaty balls, um, you're welcome. <laughs> Alright, let's go ahead and move over into uh, The Devil's Advocate. Uh, Before I do, let me tell you what I have planned for this episode here. Because I do have a really great episode. So in The Devil's Advocate, I'm just going to give you a little bit of uh, a talk about Hell Satan. And and, what it means for me to say it. Uh, This is sort of me mailing in The Devil's Advocate segment. Uh, I I actually had some other things planned for this week. um, And they sort of fell through a little bit. So... You know, that's not to say that this isn't going to be a, a decent little segment. I, I still think it's going to be slightly entertaining here. Um, in the Infernal Informant, I'm going to bring you Therapy to Change Feminine Boy, 
created a trouble man, family says, article, and also soldiers $2,800 in bag fees spark outrage. Both of these are from last week uh, and CNN. In Creature Feature, I have a very special uh, interview, uh, Deep Six Radio. Matt Ingram, the host, talks to me about uh, how he found Satanism, uh, his radio show, and, um, you know, basically what it's all about. And it was a really great uh, interview. It was really nice to meet him finally. We had a couple scheduling issues, um, namely, you know, problems arousing from uh, my inability to add (laughs) or subtract from time zones. And uh, in Bizarre the Bizarre, I'm going to finally bring you another Bizarre the Bizarre. I know it's been a week. We're going to be talking about doggy style and being observed in doggy style by dogs. A little awkward. So anyway, that's going to be it for the totality of the show. I hope you stay with me for it. I hope you enjoy it. Let's go ahead and, uh, after a, a word of our sponsors, move into The Devil's Advocate. The Satanic Scriptures hands down the wit, wisdom, and diabolical perspective of the Church of Satan's High Priest, Magus Peter H. Gilmore. These essays, articles, and diatribes have been collected from over 20 years of the High Priest's writings for his infernal cabal, some first issued in the pages of publications available only to insiders. From the magic of toys to techniques of time travel, Magus Gilmore leads the reader down a left-hand path where few will find what they expect. Magus Gilmore reveals principles of satanic ritual in a frank discussion of forbidden rites. What is a satanic funeral? How do Satanists marry? Find out now, as these unholy ceremonies have never been disclosed outside of the Church of Satan's hellish hierarchy. Here is the philosophy for those bold enough to be their own gods or devils. Visit thesatanicscriptures.com for more information. Released by Scapegoat Publishing. Available in paperback form from major booksellers and independents nationwide. In this arid wilderness of steel and stone, I raise up my voice that you may hear. To the east and to the west I beckon. To the north and to the south. I show a sign proclaiming a death to the weakling, wealth to the strong. Can I get a hail Satan? I said, can I get a hail Satan? We are the Devil's Advocates. Welcome to the Devil's Advocate. As always, let me preface this segment by saying that I am a Satanist. I am a member of the Church of Satan, but I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. Welcome to the Devil's Advocate. Alright, so as I mentioned before, we're going to talk about Hail Satan. And what it means to me, uh, you know, not only the first time I said it, or just on a regular basis, because it is one of those things that it catches you off guard. Whether it's something that you're saying to someone else, or when someone else says to you, and I never really took stock in this, or I never really even thought about it, until I started interviewing other Satanists, and uh, they would throw it out at me. Uh, And it, it certainly... You know, it holds some power. Just those two little words. So, what I think about, uh, or or, or maybe how I can describe this to you, my personal take on it anyway, I like, uh, I liken saying, Hail Satan, to 
the first time I tried smoking cigarettes when I was in uh, junior high. So a, a couple friends of mine uh, were out, and I guess they had been smoking for, I don't know, maybe a couple months or something like that. And these were people that, on a personal level, I really respected and I enjoyed hanging out with. So I had no problem trying smoking. Because I figured that if my friends were doing it, there there could be no, you know, bad <laughs> that came of it. Boy, was I wrong. But, uh, you know, I've shaken that monster. But anyway, so to go back to that, you know, that first drag immediately uh, assaulted my senses. And I, I immediately got lightheaded. Uh, I felt fuzzy. And it was sort of this nicotine high that didn't last very long once I started smoking, but that first time, you know, it was like a half hour, I think, uh, and, and I just felt good, you know, I mean, it, it was just something that really, at the time, it was a completely new sensation to me, and it's not like I, I wasn't there, you know, it was sort of like a heightened presence, um, and, and this is really what I'm doing, is describing the reaction of a drug in your system, nicotine. And it really did take hold uh, for me, and it took six years of my life uh, before I shook it. But that's the high that I think I would describe when I say Hell Satan. And it, and it may sound ridiculous, and it may sound a little goofy and absurd to some, but, you know, there's like a serotonin release or a dopamine release when, when I do say it. And it feels really good uh, to say out loud. You know, you say it in your head or you hear other people say it. That's one thing. But it's liberating. I grew up in a uh, moderately religiously stifling family who, had I said it out loud there, would have lost their shit. <laughs> like, they would have fucking lost their mind. You know, the son is a devil worshiper. Ah! Even though that's not the reality behind it, that's the reality they believed. And since perception is nine-tenths of reality, it's truth to them. So, I, I refrained from ever saying it out loud. You know, it was always just something that I kind of kept in my head, kept to myself. And at, as a youth living in that household, before I was actually kicked out, they would uh, have prayer sometimes before, um, before meals. And so I would sit there silently in my head, reciting my own, uh, honestly, heretical prayer, and closing it with Hail Satan. And, you know, it felt good. It felt all right. But that first time, I said it to someone else. And they responded in kind. And that first time, someone else said it to me, and I responded in kind. You feel a connection with them. Because as Satanists, we are drawn to this philosophy. Because it's who we are at our core. And to see that echoed in someone else, and to shout it out and proclaim it, I don't know, there's something powerful about that. 
and it may just be me. I, I don't think it is, but it may just be me. But it it feels really fucking good, really fucking liberating. Because for the briefest of moments, and I don't know about anyone else out there, but I know that I refrain from pronouncing myself, declaring myself to a lot of people out there um, for, and I hate to say it, fear of retribution, you know, quite honestly. Um, and, and, you know, this could be work associates, potential clients, or just the regular person on the street or in my neighborhood. I refrain from it. But when you do get that opportunity to say it, man, I, I just, I, I cannot express enough how fantastic and powerful it is. You know, it really is. So it's no wonder that we are in a ritual chamber at times and shouting it out or calling it out at that moment that there is this you know, I may be going on a limb here, this sort of disruption in reality as you say it, this sort of reverberation through your accepted and known world. You are literally pushing what you are into the atmosphere and into the environment. And it's so much more powerful and so much more pure and true than anything that your immediate atmosphere or environment is used to on a ritual level. I mean, that's some powerful energy that you're putting out there. So anyway, you know, that's what I wanted to talk about. I just want to sort of give my take on it. Um, and, you know, it, again, I fully accept that this may be just me that feels this way. And I fully accept I may be... Um, you know, just sort of uh, relishing in something that a lot of people may not think. Uh, but you know, fuck it. This is this is how I, <laughs> this is how I see things, and uh, I, I I absolutely love it. So you know, when I record these little segments or these little promos for my show, and I say, you know, can I get a hail Satan? And, and I say, you know, hail Satan out loud, or even when I type it on the fucking email or on the website or on a forum, there's power in that. And when you do it, there's power too. And recognizing that and knowing how to use it and how to direct it, um, it's, it's, it's not something to, uh, you know, shy away and sort of dismiss. So maybe, uh, next time when you're in the car or next time when you talk to a fellow Satanist and you say it, feel that connection and that energy because it is there. And it's very important, and it's a very powerful tool. Hail Satan, man. Hail fucking Satan. All right, that's going to be it for this. Uh, let's go ahead and have our next little um, commercial break, and we'll immediately move into the Infernal Informant. Is this, is this thing on? All right, is it this thing we're in now? You got it. All right. Uh, this year's... Um, Citizens Against Decency uh, Book Award uh, goes to Stephanie Crabe and uh, uh, Motel Bazaar. It's, uh, yes, excuse you. It's, it's not just a uh, book, photo book of uh, truck stop lesbians, wacko cult leaders, racists, trannies, and the uh, grossly obese. It also has uh, tits in it, which uh, 
I, uh, I can appreciate. Without uh, further ado, Cat Award for the Advancement of Immorality in uh, Books. Uh, Stephanie, where are you, darling? Come on up. What, what, what's that? I, I was supposed to about that. Motel Bazaar by Stephanie Crabe. Available through scapegoatpublishing.com. Warriors of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, all in the Infernal Informant. Alright, welcome to Infernal Informant. This week, I have some fantastic fucking articles. Let's go ahead and jump right into the first one. This is from CNN.com. Therapy to change feminine boy created a trouble man, family says. This is posted by Scott Bronstein and Jessica Joseph, June 10th, 2011. Uh, There's an editor's note here. Anderson Cooper, 360, examined a shocking experimental therapy designed to make feminine boys more masculine. The result was a special report. The Sissy Boy Experiment. Los Angeles. Kirk Andrew Murphy seemed to have everything to live for. He put himself through school. He had a successful eight-year career in the Air Force. After the service, he landed a high-profile position with an American finance company in India. But in 2003, at age 38, Kirk Murphy took his own life. A co-worker found him hanging from a fan of his apartment in New Delhi. His family has struggled for years to understand what happened. Quote, I used to spend so much time thinking, why would he kill himself at age of 38? It doesn't make any sense to me, said Kirk's sister, Maris Murphy. What I now think is, I don't know how he made it that long. After Kirk's death, Maris started a search that would uncover a dark family secret. That secret revealed itself during a phone conversation with her older brother Mark, who mentioned his distrust of any kind of therapy. Quote, Don't you remember all that crap we went through at UCLA? He asked her. Maris was too young to remember the details, but Mark remembered it vividly as a low point in their lives. Wanting a normal life. Kirk Murphy was a bright five-year-old boy growing up near Los Angeles in 1970s. He was the middle child with big brother Mark, eight, and little sister Maris, just a baby at nine months. Their mother, K.T. Murphy, remembers Kirk's kind nature. Quote, he was just very intelligent and a sweet, sweet child. Unend quote. But she was also worried. Well, I was becoming a little concerned, I guess when he was playing with dolls and stuff, she said. Playing with the girls' toys and probably picking up little effeminate, well, like stroking the hair, the long hair and stuff. It just bothered me that maybe he was picking up maybe too many feminine traits. She said it bothered her because she wanted Kirk to grow up and have a, quote, normal life, end quote. Then K.T. Murphy saw a psychologist on local television. He was naming all of these things, If your son is doing five of these ten things, does he prefer to play with girls' toys instead of boys' toys? Just things like this, she said. The doctor was on TV that day, recruiting boys for a government-funded program at the University of California, Los Angeles. 
Well, him being the expert, I thought, maybe I should take Kirk in, said K.T. Murphy. In other words, nip it in the bud before it got started any further. Kirk becomes Craig. K.T. Murphy took Kirk to UCLA, where he was treated largely by George A. Wreckers, a a doctoral student at the time. In Wreckers' study documenting his experimental therapy, he writes about a boy he calls Craig. Another UCLA gender researcher confirmed that Craig was a pseudonym for Kirk. The study, later published in an academic journal, concludes that after therapy, Craig's feminine behavior was gone and he became indistinguishable from any other boy. Craig, I think, certainly was Wrecker's poster boy for what Wrecker's was espousing for young children, says Jim Burroway, a writer and researcher who has studied Wrecker's work. We've been wondering, where's Craig? A lot of us has talked about it, and where is he today? Is he married, or is he gay? Or specifically, does he even know that Wrecker's had been writing about him? said Burroway. I found 17 different articles, books, chapters, that he has written in which he talked about Craig. Wrecker's work with Kirk Murphy helped him build a three-decade career as a leading national expert in trying to prevent children from becoming gay, a career as an anti-gay champion that would later be tainted by his involvement in an embarrassing scandal. The Experiments The therapy at UCLA involved a special room with two tables where Craig's behavior was monitored, according to the study. There was a one-way window, and some days they would let him choose which table he would go to, said Maris, who also has read about the experiments. At one table, Kirk could choose between what were considered masculine toys, like plastic guns and handcuffs, and what were meant to be feminine toys, like dolls in a play crib. At the other table, Kirk could choose between boys' clothing and a toy electric razor, or items like dress-up jewelry and a wig. According to the case study, K.T. Murphy was told to ignore her son when he played with feminine toys and compliment him when he played with masculine toys. They pretty much told him he wasn't right the way he was, but they never really explained it to him what the issue was. They did it through play, Maris said. Wreckers wrote that Kirk would cry out for attention, even throwing tantrums, but K.T. Murphy was told to keep going. Harsh beatings. At home, the punishment for feminine behavior would become more severe. The therapists instructed Kurt's parents to use poker chips as a system of reward and punishments. According to Wrecker's case study, blue chips were given for masculine behavior and would bring rewards, such as candy. But the red chips, given for a feminine behavior, resulted in physical punishments by spanking from the father. Mark said he was told to participate in the chip reward and punishment system as a way to make Kirk feel like the system was okay. The family said the spankings were severe. Maris remembers lots of belt incidents. She escaped the screaming by going to her bed to lay in the room with my pillow on my head. Later, she would go to Kirk's bedroom and lay down and hug him, and we would just lay there. And the thing that I remember is that he never even showed anger. He was just numb. During one particularly harsh punishment, their mother recalls, her husband spanked Kirk so hard that he had welts up and down his back 
and on his buttocks. She remembered her son saying, Cry harder and he won't hit you so hard, she says. Today it would be abuse. Sometimes Mark would try to protect his brother to make his beatings less severe. Quote, I took some of the red chips and I put them on my side, said Mark as tears came to his eyes. But he said the beatings were still frequent. The number of stacked red chips became a telltale sign about the level of tension in the house. When he returned home each day, Mark often looked for the chips in their easily visible location between the living room and the kitchen. Quote, you looked and were like, what's the chip count today? What happened? What changed? How bad is it going to be? And that was always bad. There were whippings every Friday night. There, were no, there was no way out of it. Kirk's formal clinical treatment lasted 10 months, but the family said some of the treatment techniques and practices lasted longer at home. Different from everybody else. Mark Murphy vividly remembers a photo of a smiling young Kirk, age 4, taken a year before the therapist started. This is my brother, Kirk Anthony Murphy, right here, Mark said, pointing at the picture. This is the way he's supposed to be, right here, Mark said tearfully. Mark said the photo shows the last time he remembers his brother as a happy child. Maris, who was too young to remember Kirk, went through therapy. She said only knew Kirk after his treatment. Quote, I left Kirk just totally stricken with the belief that he was broken, that he was totally different from everyone else, she recalled. He even ate his lunch in the boys' bathroom for three years of his high school career, if you want to call it that. Kirk's mother said she believes the experimental therapy destroyed Kirk's life. I blame them for the way his life turned out, she said. If one person causes another person's death, I don't care if it's 20 or 50 years later, it's the same as murder in my eyes. Of course, the actual reason someone commits suicide is difficult, if not impossible to know. The family's allegations that Wrecker's therapy caused Kirk Murphy to take his life are just that allegations. When Wreckers did not respond to CNN's repeated request for an interview, CNN producers tracked him down in Florida to ask about the Murphy family's allegations. Quote, Well, I think scientifically that would be inaccurate to assume that it was the therapy, but I do grieve for the parents now that you've told me that news. I think that's very sad, he said. <laughs> had to add a little accent there. Uh, Wreckers pointed out that the therapy had been decades earlier. That's a long time ago, and to hypothesize you have a hypothesis that's positive treatment back in the 70s has something to do with something happening decades later. That would, that hypothesis, would need a lot of scientific investigation to see if it's valid. Two independent psychologists with me had evaluated him and said he was better adjusted after treatment, so it wasn't my opinion, he said. One of those psychologists had since died. The other, Dr. Larry Ferguson, told CNN that he did evaluate Kirk Murphy as a teenager. He said the family was well-adjusted, and he did not see any red flags when, Kirk, when evaluating Kirk. But Maris Murphy says Kirk lied to those examining him. He was conditioned to say what they wanted to hear, she said. Wreckers said that he could not give specific details about Kirk Murphy's treatment, citing doctor-patient confidentiality. For him, the bottom line is that the therapy was intended to help. I only meant to help do the best I could with the parents, and I've written articles you can look up, too, on the rationale for our treatment. And the rationale was positive, to help children, help the parents who came to us in the distress asking questions. What can we do to help our child be better adjusted, Becker said. Carl Bryant, a professor of women and gender study at the State University of New York at New Paltz, was also taken to UCLA as a child as a part of a different study of effeminate boys. 
Bryant said he thinks the more tragic part of Kirk's story is people trying to do something good, trying to help, even in a misguided mode, who ended up producing these negative outcomes for people. Bryant had studied the history of work done with children with opposite sex behavior extensively and said the studies are complex. Alright, you know, this actually is going to go on for a little bit longer. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and end the reading there. I, I suggest you go check it out. Let me give you my take on this. And it's sort of twofold here. So, number one, under any circumstances, I don't give a fuck if your kid is effeminate, if your kid has poor social behavior, if he strikes out at other people. He's a fucking child. He doesn't understand. It's your job as a parent to teach him. There's no inherent capacity. It is all learned behavior. I, I say there's no inherent capacity um, when it comes to, uh, I guess, social behavior. Let me let me sort of take a grounding here. I believe uh, very strongly that sexuality is a natural part of your being. So your individual fetishes, your sexual orientation, your sexual identification, that's all something that you're born with. I don't think it necessarily has anything to do with your genetics. I think it's just something within you. Uh, one of those chaos rolls of the dice in nature. It is never okay to beat your fucking kids. I don't care what the fucking situation is. Especially in, in when you're trying to teach them to be something that you think is right or wrong. You never use physical abuse or any abuse of that kind to instruct them. There are better ways to handle things. Now, I'm not going to get into any of that right now. Just stating my opinions there. These parents are fucking trying to blame the fucking uh, scientists running these experimental therapies. They fucking brought him there. At what point do the parents take fucking responsibility for their actions? It was their kid. They brought him to the fucking therapist. They were the ones that chose to use that ridiculous fucking poker system. They were the ones that identified him playing with toys that they didn't think he should play with as the fucking problem they were the ones that physically beat him now I'm gonna get into how this did or did not affect his rationalizing as an adult in a minute but it is their fucking fault if anything yes I agree that the scientists were probably fucking idiots running on some bullshit Judeo-Christian idea that homosexual, homosexuality is a bad thing and being effeminate is a bad thing and so there's corrections for that. I think that's all bullshit. Uh, as I've just stated, I think it's fucking inherent within yourself. Social behavior is learned. Sexuality, sexual identification, I think that's inherent. The parents need to fucking take responsibility for their goddamn actions. I mean, you gotta be kidding me. They're trying to blame someone else for the death of their kid 38 years fucking later? You were the ones that raised him! Fuck! Alright, so now let's talk about him, himself, Kirk. Uh, 
the gentleman who killed himself at age 38 in New Delhi. Um, he was responding, in my opinion, to an environment. So his natural behavior caused him to play with toys that were identified as effeminate or just for girls. His parents saw the problem. He was thrown into a therapy situation that he didn't know how to respond to. His learned behavior in that social environment was to tell them what they wanted to hear in order to get through the beatings. At some point, <laughs> everyone gets used to beating. Uh, and it's sad, it's unfortunate, but it's true. And that's why beatings are so ineffective. Uh, you don't actually learn anything except to deal with it. You don't correct your behavior because of it. So I don't think, and there's no way of me to knowing this, and this is all speculation, but I don't think that his suicide had more to do than just his innate capacity to deal with life itself. It is never fucking easy. And yeah, it's harder for some. I admit. I agree. But a lot of people have come from horrible fucking backgrounds. Pure shit. And had made something of themselves and found a way to live life. And do the best they can. And I don't think everyone's capable of it. And you know what? Kirk may have not been able to be... I may have not had the capacity to deal with it. But to say that something that happened to him when he was 2 or 3 or 6 or 10 or 20, even for 8, 10, 15 years, is the cause of him giving up on his life. I I think that's bullshit. I'm going to fucking call it right now. And I know some of you listening are going to disagree with me. And I don't want you to think that I'm condoning the behavior, because I'm not. I'm not condoning the behavior he took. I'm not condoning the behavior that his parents took, or the fucking hypothesis that these bullshit therapists took. But you have to have fucking responsibility for your actions. The parents need to be responsible that they raised that fucking kid, and they were the ones that saw the fucking problem that they perceived as a problem, and tried to correct his natural way of being. They are to blame. The therapist trying to hypothesize that being effeminate or being gay or having homosexual tendencies is a bad thing. They are to blame. And Kirk, for fucking killing himself, for giving up on life and not fighting through it. We all have to fight through it in some way or another. And it is weakness that comes from suicide. I don't necessarily think that applies to everyone, carte blanche. And not knowing the specific details about what was going on in his life at the time of his suicide, there's a lot of things. Depression can do a lot. But just to say carte blanche that, yeah, that was it and that's why he killed himself, you know, from what I know about this article, I'm saying that no, it is not the therapy that he experienced as a child that probably caused that. There was probably something else going on. And he was probably not very capable of handling life. Not many people are. Not a lot of us are. Some of us have support systems. He was across the fucking half the world in fucking New Delhi, away from his family support system, who didn't seem to have uh, very much connection to him anyway until his death. Kind of weird. And then suddenly they're capitalizing on it um, in the most horrible ways. Uh, th through his tragedy, they are, uh, you know, coming out and suddenly saying, oh, we didn't like it. Oh, really? Well, where the fuck were you 30 years ago? 
anyway, that's that's my take on it. Um, you know, it's it's not always accepted. It's not always comfortable to listen to. But in this particular case, that's how I fucking see it. Let's move over to Soldiers. $2,800 in bag fees spark outrage. This is also CNN uh, by A. Paulowski. I don't fucking know. June 8th. Stung by online comments calling it disgusting and un-American, Delta Airlines on Wednesday announced it will allow U.S. military personnel traveling on orders to check more bags for free. The policy change, which is effective immediately, came a day after U.S. Army soldiers returning from Afghanistan complained that they were charged almost $3,000 in bag fees by the carrier. Quote, we regret that this experience caused these soldiers to feel anything but welcome on their return home, wrote Rachel Rensky, manager of Delta Social Media, in an updated post on the carrier's blog. The Delta incident sparked outrage online after a serviceman spoke out about their experience in a video posted on YouTube. In the clip, which the men say was recorded on board a Delta flight from Baltimore to Atlanta on Tuesday, a day after they returned from Afghanistan, the soldiers explained that they had a little issue with the bags. CNN affiliate WXIA in Atlanta identified the soldiers as U.S. Army Staff Sergeant Fred Hilliker and Robert O'Hare. The men, who were bound for Fort Polk, Louisiana, said that their military travel orders allowed them to carry up to four bags, but when they arrived at the airport in Baltimore, Delta told them it allows military personnel to check only three bags for free. Members of the unit who were traveling with four bags ended up paying out of pocket for their extra luggage. The soldiers said in the video, They were charged $200 per extra bag, so the 34-member unit ended up paying more than 30, I'm sorry, more than $2,800 in bag fees, the soldiers added. Any extra bag fees charged by an airline will be reimbursed by the government, a military spokesman told CNN affiliate WGCL in Atlanta. One of the soldiers in the video said the bag he had to pay for was a weapons case that contained the, quote, tools that I used to protect myself and Afghan citizens while I was deployed to the country, end quote. The other man told into the camera, exasperated, Good business deal, Delta, he said sarcastically. Not happy. Not happy at all, he added, shaking his head. So it goes on, the article goes on to say that they were uh, ultimately reimbursed for the expense. Um, Delta has since changed its policy, allowing four bags for free in coach and up to five bags at no charge for first class. And here's my take on it. When I initially read this article, I, being a former soldier, I was pretty fucking outraged. How the fuck can you <laughs> charge soldiers coming back from defending our country? Politics aside, mission aside, the soldier's job is to defend our country. They don't choose their orders. They don't choose where they fight. They just know that they're signing up. They're losing their civil rights. And they're going to serve their fucking country. So, they're coming back from that. And they're fucking having to pay if they want their extra fucking baggage. I was immediately outraged at Delta as well. Until I thought about it about 15 seconds later. This was a fucking typo. Their orders said four bags. The contract that the U.S. Army had with Delta said three. 
Well, it's the military that writes the fucking orders, that publishes the orders. This was the military's fault in this particular case. And yeah, I might get some shit for saying this, but they didn't have to fucking reimburse anyone. The military probably should have reimbursed those fucking soldiers, not Delta. It wasn't Delta's fucking mistake. And if it was Delta's mistake, well, they fucking reimbursed him anyway, so what's the big fucking deal? You cannot connect, and you cannot allow the government to have authority over private businesses. Private, in in this case, I say private, but it's actually, you know, a publicly owned corporation. Um, The government cannot have authority over corporations. Now, when you barter a contractual agreement with another company, that's when you specify how many fucking bags in what class of flying that these people are going to get individually. And it's at that point that that is, is, is dealt with and made and the law is set. Anything after that point, that's on the individual. And, and you can't fucking sit here and tell me that that's wrong. Now, Delta went above and beyond in this case, and I don't really take the side of corporations hardly ever. In this case, I'm going to take the side of Delta here. What they did was right from a public relations standpoint, even though it was probably the military's problem. uh, They fessed up to it. They fucking reimbursed those soldiers and previous traveling soldiers since that um, order has been, uh, or since this incident has occurred. Um... The bottom line is, it's not fucking Delta's fault that someone fucking typed in the wrong number. It's not their fucking fault. And yes, we owe our soldiers everything. But it's the military's job to contract these travel agreements. It's not the soldiers and it's not the airlines, it's the military's. So fuck, man, lay off fucking Delta. This is bullshit. In this case, the corporation's in the right. The military is in the wrong, and the soldiers are always in the right. So you know, you know, they are too often victims of their environment and politics. So soldiers, thank you for fucking serving our country. It is from the the bottom of my heart the greatest sacrifice that any citizen can make, and I honor you as long as I live, for that service. And the U.S. military, fucking make sure you're typing these fucking orders correctly so that we can fucking get problems like these dealt with. You're affecting people's lives and income. There's no room for error. And Delta, in this case, thanks. Thanks for stepping up. Thanks for fucking refunding these soldiers their hard-earned fucking and well-deserved money and biting the bullet. You fucking, you know what, you restored a little bit of faith in me as far as airlines go. It's not saying much because I don't have a lot, but a little bit. And that's going to do it for the Infernal Informer this week. Let's go ahead and uh, hear from another one of our sponsors and let's get into that interview with Deep Six Radio. Now available from Purging Talon is the debut authored book by Church of Satan Magister Matt G. Paradise, Bearing the Devil's Mark. Bearing the Devil's Mark is a bold and no-nonsense treatise on the subject of Satanism. Not from the perverse pen of bitter and jealous Christians, 
or even their pagan counterparts, but straight from the satanic perspective itself. Sex, love, politics, technology, the god religions, and more. All brought to you by someone with over 25 years of actively living the satanic philosophy. To order, log on to PurgingTalon.com. Bearing the Devil's Mark, new from Purging Talon. Do you bear the mark? The sky is dark, moon piercing the night. Through the trees, the damsel in distress comes, breaking through the underbrush. Fear painted on her face. The darkness hunting her is near. She is swamp, water slowing her escape. The creature nears, the damsel turns, hands rising to her sides as a last effort to thrust the creature back. Welcome to Creature Feature. Welcome to another Creature Feature. Uh, I'm being joined today by Matt Ingram from Deep Six Radio, another one of the fine shows on Radio Free Satan Network. Thank you so much for joining me, Matt. Thank you. No, thank you very much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. So, like I said before, been a fan uh, for a while of your show. So, <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. I always like uh, verifying that people actually listen to the podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know what, uh, I wanted to talk about your radio show, um, Deep Six Radio. I've actually um, heard the last three episodes, uh, like, uh, one was um, you and, uh, I guess, um, you had, a, 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 like, a computer guest on it. I was listening to it on uh, Radio Free Satan. Yeah, that's that's uh, a new, that's uh, something that's involved at this moment in time. Uh, it's, that's Idris, the machine. Um who, who critiques the bands, who basically writes them. Um, and then uh, probably the other shows you've heard are The Battles, which uh, yeah. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about. Yeah, and that was that was myself and my brother, which was just drunken abuse at each other, uh, <laughs> So, which is usually what happens when we get together. So. Nice. <laughs> um, well, you know what? Um, before we get into the uh, topic of your show, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, first and, first and foremost, I'm a musical hedonist, um, a, a bass player in a, a, a moderately successful uh, West Midlands band. Um, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan, uh, which uh, and my brothers as well. Uh, Dave Ingram of Lambert's Basement, uh, who's aptly named us both Hootards. Um, <laughs> both of us are currently in the process of writing a book between ourselves called uh, The Devil's Communique. Um and also, uh, gonna, imminent father of twins as well. So, whoa, uh, yeah. So it's some big changes coming up in my life. So, you, are, is this going to be your first um, children? First and last as well. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two, and two is more than enough. I cannot imagine what it's going to be like with twins, though. No, uh, well, I just we were. I mean, we only ever said we only ever wanted one child, so we could really. Put everything to it, give it everything that it needs, and give it all support. And, you know, yeah. but then it's like, a, like like the British transport system, two came along at once. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, I wish you the best of luck with that. That's going to be a nightmare, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm the gonna first year, it. no <laughs> sleeping at all. When when did you uh, first discover Satanism? Oh well, um, that were it was possibly about three, four, four years ago. Um, I first, I first read the Satanic Bible. Um, I didn't act on it completely straight away. I didn't immediately go and uh, put my membership in. 
but it was it was more uh, I, I read and I just wanted to continue reading. I suppose wants to be well 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 vested in it. Um, but yes, but definitely three years ago. I really can't remember when it was the first time it was. I actually realised exactly what I was. But it was about three years ago when I discovered it. Wow. Um, what what drew you to it? I, I know everyone sort of has a slightly different take on, you know, why they wanted to identify themselves with the organisation versus just being a Satanist. Well, it was quite strange. Oh, and I'm, I'm going to mention him a few times. My brother uh, had become a member, and uh, he he was always a driven character anyway. Um, and we, though we are completely individuals of ourselves, uh, we're, we're we're made of the same stuff. We're the same bread and butter. Yeah. Um, and after reading intensively about the, obviously the Church of Satan, I realised exactly what I was and which badge I was wearing at that moment in time. Um, and I knew that it was it was for me. I knew exactly what I was. Um, one of the main reasons was is the fact that I'm not a. Even though I do enjoy talking and I'm a, I, I do this podcast show, I don't like people. <laughs> I, I can't stand being in crowded places. I can't I can't abide just people coming up to me and being really friendly and chatty and stuff. It's it's unfortunately it's part of my job. So doing it in a, in, a, in a social aspect is something that I don't want to do. So <laughs> I don't blame you at all. <laughs> Um, okay, so how about uh, about your radio show, Deep Six Radio? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's um, for underground bands uh, and acts. Six underground bands are pitted against Idris, uh, who is suddenly suddenly evolved. Um, but it also uh, it brings into uh, its own where I play my own choice of alternative rock and electronica uh, from my own library. Uh, it's basically about getting new music out there, stuff that you wouldn't normally listen to or stuff you wouldn't normally hear. It's a hugely eclectic show as well. So one, it's one of the few shows, especially it's on the radio in the UK, you can't where you can actually listen to uh, potentially some death metal and then it changes right through to some drum and bass as the next track. So it was that was always it was always keen that were keen for me to get that idea running off the ground straight away. Uh, apart from rap as well, they, there's no rap. It will ever be played on Deep Six. I hate that genre. <laughs> what about like like country or anything like that? Well, I try not to step on uh, the other the other shows that are, are on Radio Free Saturn's toes at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with the death metal stuff, and sometimes there's a, there's a few industrial tracks. But I mean, when it's I mean the big band swing and jazz stuff for Lambert's Basement, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't touch at all. Um, only if I was trying to promote that show yeah. so at the, I might try I might do something along those lines in the future to put her uh, to push um, like the Metro the, the 80 stuff or some country music yeah. for uh, Clip Mephesto's shit kicking road show mm-hmm. I, 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 may, I may do that but um, I'll I, I try and steer away from it as much as possible right on when did you first um, decide that you wanted to start your own podcast this, well, I mean, it was probably January 2009. Uh, I, was, I was, well, the band then ran for another year, but I was in a band called Million Empire, uh, mildly successful around the West Midlands and the, uh, the Midlands area of the UK. No major record label. We were just doing it. It was just for fun, and it, that's all it ever was for me. It was all always about the music, always uh, about just going on stage and giving a performance. Um, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Uh, the band members... The other two band members that I was with wanted to make a career out of it, wanted it to be the whole, 
you know, big rock star thing. And I was never, mm-hmm. I, I was never, never interested in that. I never wanted to be seen on MTV. I just wanted fun to have mm-hmm. fun doing it. Um, and then, top all, put on top of that, promoters were always saying, "How many people can you bring?" They were just trying to make money off our back where we weren't getting paid. Yeah. And in the end, it was just a case of, well, bollocks to you. All <laughs> I want to do is, uh, is, is play music. So I said, I'll go, I'll sit the other side of the desk and I'll start pushing bands that way. Um, brother had already started Metal Breakfast Radio, so I wanted to try and take it in another direction. Um, and Deep Six became available uh, in the March uh, as Nereus uh, had basically handed in his, his notice uh, to do it. Uh, and my brother put my name forward with which nine, and so she she emailed me, and I and I went with it. So so, so and I, and now that it's mine, I'll never let it go either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, when when was it that you first joined Radio for Satan again? Uh, March two thousand and nine. Oh wow! Yeah, so you've been um, doing this for some time. Yeah, a couple of years. Uh, it was it was when I first started. It was we got invited to the group, obviously with the the Yahoo group, obviously before the DJs, and it was. Uh, and more people were being added, and it was what Re- it was what Reverend Bill M said on his interview. It's, it's amazing how many podcast shows physically come to Radio Free Saturn, but don't stand the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, my other one, Electric Cattle, because I was quite lucky. I was quite fortunate at the start uh, of, my, of, of my tenure at Radio Free Saturn of, um, of having two shows. So it was Deep Six running one week and Electric Candlelight running the other. Um, so Deep Six was basically. Ten, ten tile tracks of just unsigned bands played back to back solidly, and me talking about them a little. Then you had Electric Candlelight, which is my alternative rock uh, and electronica. Uh, they mer- and I merged those together, so it was. I mean, so Electric Candlelight didn't stand the test of time, but it, yeah. it got it evolved within Deep Six. It was because uh, so, I wanted that show to be something special, not just about unsigned bands, about pushing different types of music people wouldn't listen to, and being hugely eclectic as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, do you do you find it ever hard to? Um, and your show is every other week that you put it out, or is it every week? It was every other week when it was uh, just Deep Six and Electric Candlelight. But yeah. now that it's just Deep Six on its own, it's every it's every week. It goes so, do you ever week. find it, it challenging to find enough content um, for an entire show? Well, when the bands email me, I always always send an email back to ask to them, thank you very much for their music. Uh, it, the, the more stuff they send me, the more. St- more shows they'll be played over but I also have to thank um, what, their Metal Breakfast Radio and the Autopsy Report as well uh, these are t- obviously Metal Breakfast Radio on Radio Free and the Autopsy Report is a show uh, in the UK run by a good friend of mine and my brothers uh, called Graeme um, and we basically help each other out when we reply we put our, uh, the, other, the other's emails on there saying you should send your music to here if you're a metal band or whatever music you're into, so we always we always get stuff dribbling through from them as well. So and it's it's basically it's a freeway thing, and we this is what we do. We try and help each other out a little. Nice, yeah. So it, it was really just your experience in the the musical industry and um, trying to push your combination of different bands together that that really inspired you to the podcast. I mean, had you had any interest in it before? It was it was mainly because I got it was just disillusioned with with people out there <laughs> taking money. It's like I was I was never ever going to say to the people who liked our band on Facebook or MySpace um, who would turn up to gigs. I would never say to them, "We need to get twenty five people." I'm not going to beg. Why should I? If they yeah. want to come, they'll come. I want to go and play. If people want to come and see me. Fantastic. If I'm playing to an empty room, doesn't matter. I'm still going to perform the same ways that I did 
when I, if there's is a hundred people there, so oh, yeah. so it, it was it was just always about the people just really annoying me. <laughs> so, and I, and I, it was just time it was like time out, and I and I said to my the guys in the band, look, it's a uh, don't want to don't wanna do this anymore. It's, I've had enough. Enough's enough. I want to go. Into, I want to come to my podcast. So and that's what yeah. I did. So on your show, um, with with the new um, sort of. Uh, Digital, I guess you'd call it the co-host, right? I mean, does yeah. she, is that is that all voiced by you, or is that someone else, or how how do you? That's do actually that? it is it, it is it's the computer, it's the machine itself. Oh, really? You just type it in and it does it, or what? That's it, yeah, and she does what she wants. I mean, she she physically does write the bands herself. I've got my computer set up that she actually I'll play the track and she'll actually give them the, the star written herself. What the um, heck? All of it's. It's it's very technical. I'm not going to give you a secret. <laughs> right. But uh, the name Idris it, it goes back to um, a Doctor a Doctor Who episode called the Doctor's Wife, um, and it's just just me being a geek. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very cool. It fucking rates it itself. Well, it, you know, if anyone out there hasn't actually heard it yet, um, it, it's I think it's the latest episode that you introduced her, right? Yeah, uh, uh, eighty one. Yes, it, it, which is the one which will be on the iTunes feed. Yeah, you guys have to check that out. And your iTunes feed, I, I know a, a lot of the other people here have had issues with that, and I have issues trying to get your iTunes feed as well. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm just coming in here. So do you post your iTunes feed somewhere yeah. outside of Radio Free Satan? Uh, yeah, I, I want, because I always, it's, um, it goes to two places. It goes to a place called RadioVillains.com uh, and also to my iTunes feed. But it's, it's, one, it's always one week behind uh, possibly two weeks behind on RadioVillains.com, um, the Radio Free Satan feed. Radio Free Satan is, is the first point of call. I always point people there first, and then iTunes second. Yeah. Um, well, I do the RSS feed myself. I've got a separate... Um, I've just got it's just on a, a site called Podomatic, and I upload it once a week and delete the last episode. So huh. it's it's still within the, the Radio Free Satan um, guide, All but right. you can always... Uh, I'm gonna have to and check I, that I just out. I, I did have I did have issues with that, um, but I actually don't mind like just going straight to Radio Free Satan to check out the show and everything because you know there's all the other shows like right there available as well. So it's nice to just sort of you know get an hour of you know yeah. vastly different types of music um, and yeah. content. I mean, I, I, every like, Tuesday is now. It's like I'll get up and I'll just drag everything onto my desktop and then stick it on my iPad and stick it in the car and I'm off and that's it. That's my day sorted. My uh, my day in the week sorted. Listening to the shows. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other plans um, to further develop Deep Six Radio? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's always going through these these changes. Um, anyway, there's always lots of little things that I'm always tweaking and messing around with. I mean. We, there's one feature which to do is a rewind track, which is basically a track from any era, uh, any genre, which I just throw in once, uh, well, once a week. Um, I also try and play the iTunes single of the week, uh, which they put out. But sometimes it's it's that bad or it's rap, uh, it just doesn't get played on my show. Um, then, uh, but there was, the, there was the triple track as well that I started to play, which I'm, I'm now reworking. There's, there's always lots of things I'm trying to change and you know trying to make the show more enjoyable for people to listen to. So it's not just it's not just another show to listen to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean the formats anyway. There's, I mean, I'm quite fortunate to have three formats. Uh, I've got the standard Deep Six, which is like six and signed bands. Um, there's the Deep Six by Electric Candlelight, 
which is on hiatus at the moment because I used to just pick a band uh, and, and do a selection of tracks from that band but uh, I'm changing that slightly I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet and then there's the battles where it's uh, ten tracks from me and a counterpart or a friend usually lots of beer involved and, <laughs> and, it's, a, and it's, it's just a musical like, it's like a musical standoff uh, yeah. between me and a friend um, but the main reason was behind that I didn't want people just constantly hearing the music that I like and the music that I'm into or I'm searching bands out there and I think that's pretty good I'll put that on the show and then it becomes a favourite of mine and um, there's some, there might be some stuff that I'm missing out on so it was a case of tell my friends to come on the show and get my family members on the show and we'll we'll have fun we'll make it into like a, a like a, a slanging match of, uh, but with music somebody wins um uh, but it's uh, and but they get to hear different things. They don't don't just get to hear what I'm playing. But it's right. uh, everything from music to adverts to TV songs. You name it, you can put one in wherever you want. Just anything. <laughs> so, just, it doesn't even anything. matter as long as there's a tune to it. Yeah, that's it. That's all you need. If, so awesome. if you ever make it across, if you ever make it across the pond, uh, you're more than welcome to come and join me. Yeah, man, I would. <laughs> I think that'd be badass. Um, I might have to try to convince you to set it up a different way so we can, <laughs> can do it just do like over the computer. Yeah. Or um, so, how do you rate those battle songs? Like, is it sort of like you both agree on which one's better, or you use your computer's program? Or um, it's, again, it's technical. What we uh, what we do is um, my if it's at home, we, we flip a coin. Mm-hmm. Um, so and. Um, the, the guest on the show will always pick heads or tails. Nice. And that's that's how it's, it's decided. That is pretty um, damn technical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but there's, a, there's a thing on there called the finishing move, which uh, is basically uh, any trick that you, you don't want to listen to, you say finish him, and you can only use it once, and he basically just stops the song. Um, and the, the, I recently did one with a brother, and I was really, really chuffed and playing the Sex Pistols uh, <laughs> on the show. And we've already played about four and a half seconds of it and then killed it. It was like, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He, he, he hates the Sex Pistols. So, yeah, and then it was just it's like, you bastard. I really like the band and he just killed them. So. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> how can bands get in contact with you? And how can um, other uh, DJs get in contact with you if they want to uh, mix it up with you a little bit? Um. Very easy. You can find me on uh, MySpace, Facebook, and Twitter to search for Deep Six Radio. Or, as I say to every week, everyone every week, uh, email me, deep6 at radiofreesatan.com. It's simple as that. And send your MP3s and links. And don't send Microsoft files to me because I use a Mac and I don't use them. They just get, they get trashed. I don't email you back. They just get binned. So if you are a fan of the show and you are listening, doing the show for ourselves as, as, as hosts, it's free. Um, but we need your support. So there's Radio Free Satan. So if you would like to put your hands in your pockets and, and, and donate to Radio Free Satan, by all means, we need your help as much as you want to listen to us. So, um, and then also you can find, like I say, MySpace, uh, iTunes, just search for Radio Free Satan. Um, but they're the places to go Facebook, Twitter. You'll always get directed to Radio Free Satan first, anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Thank you so much for joining me for the show. I really appreciate it. Um, no problem. Anyone out there, if you haven't listened to Deep Six Radio, you know, Radio Free Satan has a lot of really great shows um, devoted to a lot of really specific genres, um, you know, really specific formats. Deep Six Radio breaks from that mold, and that's what makes it such a strong um, show, you know, that stands on its own. You, you do get a very eclectic mix of music, um, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. You know, it it's not just this serious 
guy in a dark room shouting out tunes. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of um, character and creativity involved in in presenting the show. So certainly go check it out. I've been enjoying it since I've come to Radio Free Satan. And uh, I, I'm sure I will continue to enjoy it. So, again, it, <laughs> is, very much. it has been a real pleasure, Matt, uh, to, to meet with you and talk with you. And good luck with um, the future of your show. And if you ever do want to um, do a battle, uh, I think I could bring some Jeffersons or some <laughs> TV show <laughs> tunes. <laughs> I'll, I'll, try, I'll try to think I'll, I'll figure something out. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see how I can get a program to try and obviously rip, um, to rip the recording live, so... Cool. To Gary. And, okay, I'll have, a, I'll have a think on that, and I'll be in touch. Don't you worry. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, well, um, it's good to talk to you, and uh, we must do it again. And uh, until next time, uh, hail Satan, man. And hail Satan, yes. Thank you very much for having me on. Greetings, Fright Fiends. Hungry for a blood-curdling good time? Well, Terror Transmission brings you horror movie commentary like no other podcast. Listen in as your handsome hosts examine all of your current and soon-to-be favorites from the past. Tune in through iTunes or the show's official website, www.terrortransmission.com, where you can also find horror chat, on-site movie reviews, horror DVD release dates, and more. And don't forget to check out Terror Transmission on Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, and Flickr. Terror Transmission, the greatest horror commentary podcast ever. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bazaar of the Bazaar. All right. Bizarre, bizarre this week. Doggy style. All right. So when uh, my girl and I first got together, we had bought a puppy. It was a wolf, we were told, Rottweiler hybrid. We think it was wolf and shepherd hybrid, um, but it doesn't really matter. So we got the, the... fantastic animal Fenris our first animal together and as with every puppy you spend as much time with it as you possibly can because they're smart and they're fun and you know we weren't married at the time it was um you know just us living together and getting to know each other and everything and it was a period in our time where we were very young uh, having a lot of fun and sharing that with this fantastic creature, Fenris. And I started noticing that we we shared a house with a couple other people um, and another couple. So we would obviously keep him in our room at night. And we would be involved together uh, <laughs> in relations. And... I would often find uh, our dog staring at us, you know, (laughs) and I'm sure, like, really at the bottom of it all, he was just like, what the fuck are they doing? They're playing in bed, like, they're like, you know, they're roughhousing, I want a roughhouse too, or whatever, and so he's like sitting on the floor, ears perked up, staring, and I am literally doing my damnedest to be as badass (laughs) 
as, as at that young age as I possibly could be. And I'm being fucking assaulted by two fucking canine eyes at the back of my fucking head. And I know at some level. I, I'm like looking behind and I'm trying to stay concentrated in the moment and it's fucking awesome and everything's just fucking rocking and clicking. But this goddamn animal is fucking staring at me and like suddenly I know that he knows what I'm doing. <laughs> and I know to him, he's probably thinking, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like, who better to know doggy style than a fucking dog, right? I mean, <laughs> it's just this, that they just stare at you with this intellect behind these shining, interested, uh, you know, really innocent and adoring eyes, and I'm like, he is taking fucking notes, and I'm not doing him justice at all. <laughs> like, this fucking dog is seriously judging me like I'm on the fucking X Factor or America's Most Talented or something, and I'm fucking failing! I know I'm failing! <laughs> and, like, <laughs> the entire time, my my confidence is being shot, which affects everything else, my entire performance goes down fucking hill, and it's all because my goddamn dog is paying way too much attention to me in bed while we're uh, trying to have a little bit of fun. I'm convinced. I don't care how absurd the notion is. I am convinced that I got, at best, at best, a three rating. That first time. I mean, eventually, he became disinterested, and, you know, we just sort of blocked him out, so it, it, it wasn't an issue after time, but initially, that first time, it was, it was really unnerving. <laughs> like, I knew he was looking at me, he was like, no, no, you need to put your paws up on her shoulders up here, you <laughs> stop grabbing her ass, because that doesn't fucking matter, <laughs> like, you need leverage. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, okay, so... <laughs> maybe I'm mad. Maybe that had that never <laughs> really crossed his mind at all. Maybe he thought we were playing <laughs> Tug of War <laughs> with my junk. <laughs> oh, man. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's that's really all I have to say about, uh, about Doggy Style. <laughs> Good memories. <laughs> Thinking about that again. Oh, man. And you know what? Oh, sad panda music. That's it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Um, visit 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Undercroft Facebook, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9 cents and get updated on on weekly topics. You can also listen to the show primarily through Radio Free Satan or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com or subscribe via iTunes by searching 9cents. And don't forget to leave a rating or a comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. If you'd like to meet other Satanists, visit Undercroft at Satanet. And if you'd like to hear other fine satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit RadioFreeSatan.com.
Radio.com, an online streaming radio station. Once again, thank you for joining me, and as always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. And until next week, hail Satan. Have you ever felt that there was a level above being human? Do you feel as though you were better than most mortals? If the answer is yes, then please explore the Temple of the Vampire www.vampiretemple.com The Temple of the Vampire Are you one of us?